I'm not being lazy. I'm just kind of shifting gears a little bit. So um, I want to put this down here and thank you, my friend. I was thinking about our worship leader and his family coming all the way from Verbena. And uh, after working, and we're grateful for the gift that he shares with us and how God uses it to surround us with his presence. It's, it's amazing. So grateful that you're here too. I'm very grateful. Uh, I want you to, I want to talk about something that I believe is going to really encourage you. I've just been feasting on this truth. In uh, John chapter 14, verse uh, 20. Let's see if I can find it here. Yeah. Let's read that, that verse. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Classic. The King James says, In that day, you're going to know that I'm in my Father, and you were in me, and I in you. Now, the Amplified Classic says, At that time, when that day comes, you will know for yourselves that I am in my Father, and you were in me, and I am in you. So the day he's talking about is the Holy Spirit, the coming of the Holy Spirit being poured out. And understanding the covenant, these, there's two phrases in the scriptures that we, when, we, when we think about, I'm going to talk about, they're probably extremely important for you and I. Because the first phrase is in Christ. There's, Paul writes to the Colossians in chapter 127, I believe he says, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. But Colossians chapter 3, he says, verse 3, he said, if, he begins by saying, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits, for you're dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Paul knew what Jesus was talking about. And we as believers... Um, I believe the Lord wants to bring us into the deeper revelation that, that vitally in and joined to Christ by the Holy Spirit. Vitally in and joined to Christ. It's not, it's very important for us to know that by the Holy Spirit made one. One plus one equals one in this case. And that means his history becomes our history. I want you to think about that. His history becomes our history. If you were in Christ, and we are, according to the Scripture, through, at the moment we get born again is when the Holy Spirit comes in and we are in Christ. To be saved really means the Holy Spirit comes to baptize us in Jesus, but it's not just a one-time thing. It's something that we are forever involved in. So his history becomes our history. 
in all that he accomplished. And listen at this. According to what John says in the little book of John, as he is, so are we in heaven. Everything that he is now in heaven. It's all that he accomplished. Hebrews 7.25 said that he's able to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for us. That's new covenant. Second phrase you'll find throughout the New Testament, new covenant. In the spirit. In Christ and in the spirit. Now, the dynamic work of the Holy Spirit is working and joining us to Christ and making His, His, His presence real in our lives. And, and we have to really come, something that can't just be up here because this originated in eternity in the heart of a loving Father before the worlds ever were created. The Father purposed that we would be in Christ and we could walk in the Spirit and the Holy Spirit would come to reveal and make real that truth in our lives. It changes everything. So when you think about this, was very important that this was affected in the history of the death and resurrection of Jesus. It, it, was, it was affected the Son of God is received and experienced by the people of God through His Holy Spirit. That's not elementary stuff. That's major. So, this can't be studied objectively as out there in history. Because there's a lot of people, even in the Christian church, who study it as out there in history. It's, it's very important that Because when that happens, there's little or no sense of the Spirit making real the truth of Jesus in me and and in our lives today. If we don't understand what happened in history is real today, then I I think we're going to struggle. And and, uh, I know from experience that the Holy Spirit keeps unfolding this in my my life. It's incredible because I'm consumed by it. I I think about it. I'm not one of the extremists now, but I know there's liberty, there's freedom in knowing this. There's a lot of people who who are fascinated by the power of the Holy Spirit with little or no interest in, in the historical work of Christ and, and, and how he made this new covenant. And that's what we've been talking about now for several, several services is about covenant, the new covenant. And there, these two phrases belong together. You can't separate them. In Christ, in the Spirit, Spirit in me. You can't separate that. So without the work of the Holy Spirit, there, there would be no new covenant. Without the Holy Spirit working in us, there would be no new covenant. But praise God. The old covenant was one filled with shadows, promises, and hopes, right? The whole Old Testament is about shadows, promises, and hope. People ask me, what about Job? I said, what about Jesus? <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> it, it, there's an answer. You know, the old, old Testament, here's a good way to answer that. The Old Testament is full of questions. 
The question of Job is answered in Jesus in the New Testament. The questions of the Old Testament are answered in the New Testament. So don't get caught up in the questions of the Old Testament because we're not in the Old Covenant, even though there are promises and blessings in the Old Covenant that we're recipients of because we're the seed of Abraham through the Holy Ghost. But we're also the children of God. So in the New Covenant, Hebrews says in chapter 7 and chapter 8, it says it's based upon a better covenant. And it gives us better promises. Wow. By his stripes, we were healed. Whoa. He said, he said take my yoke upon you for my burden is easy. My, my, my yoke is light. My, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I want you to think about this. Ezekiel looked for a day when God would not just dwell with his people. And we, I, I've been there where I would say he's with me. But it's much deeper than that. Ezekiel looked for a day when he would not just be with his people, but within his people. So Ezekiel 36, verse 25 and 27 through 27. Let me read it for you. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you. Remember Jesus said, now you're clean through the words that I've spoken to you. The, the brazen laver represents the word of God. Now you're washed by the word of God. It's a cleansing. Jesus is the word, but we have the word. He said, he said, you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. Listen to this. A new heart will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you shall heed my ordinances and do them. Now, that means I can't do it on my own. I'm not self-sufficient or in my own strength. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. He said, you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. Wow. That's pretty awesome. Jeremiah 31, 33. Let's look at that one. But this is the covenant which I will make. Now he's, this is coming. We're in it. With the house of Israel, we're the spiritual seed of Abraham and we are the spiritual house. And I'm going to talk about that too. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law within them. And on their hearts will I write it and I will be their God and they will be my people and they will no more teach each man his neighbor and each man his brother saying, know the Lord for they'll all know me. Recognize, understand, and be acquainted with me. From the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will seriously remember their sin no more. Remember Sunday I talked about the double? The double, how the, the person in the ancient days, if he was, had a lot of debt, they would, when, when it talks about this, I'll give you double for your shame. I'll give you double it's when a person would write out all their debts on a piece of parchment and tack it on the front door, hoping that someone who is wealthy enough and has a generous heart would come by and see that list and that would be willing to pay it. Flopping in the breeze. Can you imagine how many people may have walked by but one day 
Somebody walks by, looks at the list, folds it over double, and writes paid in full. And then goes to all the creditors, pays all the debt, and that man or and that family is now free, totally free from the debt. So when you think about this wonderful privilege that Jeremiah Ezekiel is talking about, it's, it's no longer, and I want you to think about this because religion doesn't teach this, and I, I know I use that a lot, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but, but it's no longer this is what you must do the old covenant, the new covenant, this is what I want you to do. So how? How do we do that? Faith works by love. Wow. So I'm going to keep on. I'm telling you, I am so amazed when I think about this wonderful privilege that he's brought us to. But behind all of Father God's Commands is one command that is very important. That's for us to love as He loves. I can give you scripture for that too. Old covenant was love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Bless those who curse you. And when you do that, He said, you are the children of your Father. That we don't act like the world. We don't respond in that. How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. The empowering of the Holy Spirit is so important. Now, then when you think about Romans 5, 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. I want, I want us to go there for just a moment. From the Amplified. It says, such hope never disappoints or deludes or shames us. For God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That's how we love like He loves. I'm telling you, it'll cause you to love. You'll be conspicuous as a vehicle of change. That's what the church is. Supposed to be a, 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 a conspicuous as a vehicle of change. That we have the message of the good news. And so He pours out His Spirit into our hearts uh, through the uh, and the Holy Spirit, the love of God is there as well. If God is love, then the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Spirit are one, right? So the Holy Spirit lives in us. His love abides in us. Now, let's look at uh, Proverbs four three. What's important about your heart? He's poured out His Spirit into our hearts, crying, "Daddy God." So. John 13, 33 and 34. We're going to go to a, a lot of passages, but it's important that we do that. This is Jesus talking. He said a new commandment. That word, remember, entoli, something that's drawn out. How can we keep a commandment? It's the law of love, the law of, spirit of the spirit of life in Christ. He said, I give you a new commandment that you should love one another. That's agape. That's not, that's not the world's kind of love. That's not the, the love songs that are written, millions of them. 
with the theme of love. That's a different kind of love. This is agape. Just as I have loved you. Wow. How can you love the unlovable the way God loves us? Not in our own strength. So you too should love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. If you love one another, if you keep on showing love among yourselves in the Amplified. So the prophet saw this new covenant. And I want to tell you, it was the covenant of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The covenant of the Holy Spirit. And, and so, give you an example. We've heard, all of us have heard of I've done it. Who Evangelists who called people. I preached the first year of my ministry. I, I preached revivals the first year. Before God set me up as a pastor. And, and, and I, I would call people to come and receive Jesus. In their heart. And so we, we hear the evangelist use that term. And so, or let Jesus come into your heart. You've heard that, right? Well, while that's true, that's not, that's not the way the new covenant, the, the scripture tells us it happens. As a matter of fact, <laughs> it's amazing. Romans 8 and 9. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 9. It means he has received us. We have to... I heard somebody sent me a clip of Alice Cooper's testimony. If you know, he's pretty out there. Raised, his daddy was a preacher. His grandpa was an evangelist. And he said he got as far away from it as he thought he could and said God reeled him right back in. And he said, we've always heard you got to receive Jesus in your heart. He said this. He said, but we got to believe that he's already received us and received the forgiveness for our sins. Wow. Accepted us in the beloved. So then he began to talk about things he he couldn't do anymore because of that. He even thought about dropping the name Alice Cooper. He didn't like it after that. So things change, right? John 13, 33 and 34. I want to give you the opportunity if you have a question or a comment tonight. It's kind of impromptu and it's okay because... He said in verse 34, I give you a new commandment that you should love one another just as I loved you. You should, two should love one another. By this, all men shall know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So when you think about that, that term, Romans 8, I was there, wasn't I? I got sidetracked, so. He said, but you're not living the life of the flesh. You're living the life of the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit of God really dwells within you, directs and controls you, but if anyone does not possess the Holy Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. He doesn't belong to Christ, is not truly a child of God. But if Christ lives in you, although your natural body is dead by reason of sin and guilt, the Spirit is alive because of the righteousness that he imputes to you. Whoa. Not my righteousness. He made me to be righteous. 
because he knew no sin and he, he became what I was so that we could become what he is. Oh. So when you think about this, and let, look at Galatians 4, 6. He said, because you are really his sons and daughters, God has sent the Holy Spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, a bondservant, but a son. And if a son, then it follows that you're an heir by the aid of God through Christ. So, have you ever thought about getting a bear hug from God? You ever thought about what that'd be like? Well, let me help you because this really helped me. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. I'm going to read it first from the King James. Uh, New King James. For by one spirit, we're all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. That means if Christ is the head, we're the body. We're all connected. So if you look at Acts 10, 44, Remember the story of Peter going to Cornelius' house and uh, through the instruction of the Holy Spirit, he said, I want you to go to Cornelius' house and I want you to tell them, preach Jesus to them. They're ready to receive it. Of course, Cornelius was a devout man, but he was hungry for God. And, and I believe that one reason Pastor Ron Cox said it so well, people are not hungry because they're too full. They're too full of other things. And we have to become empty to be hungry, right? We have to become empty of all of the things that are like the husk of the world. I prayed, I said, Lord, don't let me be full of the husk of the world. I want to be filled with the fullness of God. So he said, while Peter was still speaking these words, The Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. The Jewish people were astonished because the Gentiles are now operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. And it says, as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Now that word fell upon is significant. Because it's it's an old English expression that means to give a bear hug. I'm telling you, I've been in a few of those bear hugs. And they're they're incredible. I know you've experienced those too. It means to give a bear hug or embrace fervently. Luke 15. Remember the prodigal son? So amazing because he's already rehearsed his speech. He's barefooted. He's 
dressed in rags. He's lost everything. All of the one-third of the father's uh, goods that he inherited. And I want to tell you, uh, by the customs of that day, the father's looking for him because he sees him far off, the Bible said, and he runs. He, he has to gird up his, his tunic and run. And it was a shame and a disgrace for, for an elder to run in that day. But he ran. And he fell on his son's neck. Gave him a bear hug. Kissed him. Didn't even, when the son started rehearsing what he was going to say, I'm no longer to be worthy to call your son, make me a servant. God didn't even, the father didn't even answer that. He said, go get the best robe. Get my shoes. Get the family ring. Kill the fatted calf. Now, do you, you do understand that covenant always ended with a meal. That young man's covenant was renewed because he, he didn't stop being the father's son just because he's in a far country. But according to what the word says when he talks to the older son, this my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and now he's found. Whoa. That changes the whole, the bear hug. Wow. Do you understand when you came to Jesus, the Holy Spirit came to put a big bear hug on you? He's still doing it. I'm telling you, sometimes I have to say, Lord, whew, this, is, this is something. I'm gr- There's nothing. He made us, makes us sit together with him in heavenly places. He raises us up to made us, make us sit together. I have joint seating. He blesses us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. I want, I want to tell you that, that I, I live for those moments. I live for those moments when, I'm, when I feel the, the, the passion of His love so overwhelming that it's, it's just, there's no mistake in it. It's the hand of God. So, so when you think about that word again, the father fell upon his son and kissed him. I think he kissed away the regret. I think he kissed away the guilt and the shame and the condemnation. I think he kissed away the idea that he was no longer worthy. Come on. You understand the Holy Spirit wants us to, to, to come into the knowledge that what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, when, when he died, Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I'm living. It's not me living. It's Christ living in me. And the same thing he did for everybody, he did for us. And now his history becomes my history. We all have a story, right? Yeah, we do. But, 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 but I want you to know that it's okay to tell your story. Just don't forget your history. His story. Don't forget that your, your history is now His history. Ooh. If you have been raised with Christ, He will quicken your mortal body. The Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will also quicken your mortal body. 
Whoa, that's pretty awesome. So there's the hope. So never think that God loves is a cold doctrinal statement. When you hear God is love, it's not a cold doctrinal statement. It's one of passion. I'm talking about his essence. It's the Holy Spirit is God embracing us, enfolding us, putting his arms around us and loving us passionately. Have you ever had those moments when something happened and you're like a deer in the headlights, it's so good that you wonder, where'd that come from? I, me, that's me today, standing at the counter. She said, that check's wrong. I said, and she asked me, how's my wife? I said, she's like a deer in the headlights when I told her. <laughs> she said, how did that happen? And I, I knew, I knew, you know, God already planned it. And that had never happened to us since we've been living in that spot. Every year we paid those taxes with a check until this year. Yeah, yeah. They charge taxes on the house and the pond, the land and the house and the pond. Because the the pond takes like three acres. And they charge me for the three acres of the pond is, (laughs) come on, somebody. It's about the money, right? (laughs) So when I catch a fish, I call them, they're like dollar signs. (laughs) But they're good. They're good. Yeah, amen. Amen. But but boy, it is. So I I want you to think about the dwelling of God. And I want you to see yourself is a place where our bodies, men and women, have become the dwelling place of God, the Holy Spirit. You have become the house. Come on, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Can we go there, Richard? It's 8 o'clock. We got time. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This is going to be good right here. This is icing on top of the icing right here. Yeah. This is what Paul said. The New King James says, verse 15 of chapter 6, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Just pinch yourself. Do you know the Holy Ghost dwells in every cell of your body? Every cell. So shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to the harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. One plus one equals one. So Paul, verse 19, he says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? I heard the story of uh, 
Lester Summerall went to visit Smith Wigglesworth, if you ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth. And Lester Summerall said, he asked him, said, how you doing? He said, I don't know. Let me open my Bible and see how I'm doing. <laughs> so it's, a, and I knew what he was talking about. He was a very bold Englishman. Well, he's from Britain, but, but it was amazing. So he said, you were bought with the price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now I want you to think about this. The Greek word described for temple is hieron, H-I-E-R-O-N. It's probably in your, if you have uh, access to a Strong's, the Greek and the Hebrew, it's hieron. It, it, it's the whole, out, the, the whole temple or the, the outer court, inner court, holy of holies. It's everything. But the inmost dwelling of the temple, God's, where God's glory is, Shekinah glory, is called Naon, the holy of holies. So the priest could only go in there once a year and not without blood. It was the day of atonement. It was the Day of Atonement. So it was called Naon, the Holy of Holies. So Paul describes the people of Corinth, and you and me now, as Naos, N-A-O-S. That is the Holy of Holies. We. Come on, somebody. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That word temple means naos. It, it, if you look it up, it, naos, it means the Holy of Holies. Remember he said, in the Old Testament, the people of the Old Testament, there's no way they could even comprehend it. That one day, he's going to dwell in them. They, they had no... You and I are the most privileged. Now I want you to think about this. Outer court, inner court, holy of holies. The gate into the outer court where the brazen laver, the, the altar of sacrifice where the four horns are. You know the four horns. Horns represent authority. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. And they would tie the sacrifice to the four horns of the brazen altar. <sighs> outer court. To get in the outer court, you had to come through the way. It was called the way. The gate was the way. To get into the inner court, where on the left side was the golden candlesticks. Before the curtain was the table of shewbread, and on the right side was the—I mean—the uh, altar of incense, the table of shewbread, made from twelve loaves representing the twelve tribes. It was called the truth. The veil that was separating that was thick as a man's hand, that wild horses couldn't tear apart, that was guarding 
the Holy of Holies was called the life. Had to come by the way, the truth, and the life. No man, Jesus said, John 4, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except by me. No, my, no man can come to me except the Spirit draw him. Whew. Come on, you, you understand you're the naos. We have become the holy of holies where the Spirit of God dwells. In that day, he lived in tents and later on a house. But God said that it won't contain me. <laughs> That's not going to be my final destination. He said, he said, my purpose and my intention is to make you my house. Now, let me give you some scripture for it real quickly. Can you give me just a few minutes? You're so great. I just love you. He said, so Paul describes the people of Corinth as the naos. John 14, 18, 20, and 23. Let's go back there just for real quickly. The New King James Version in verse 18 says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Do you understand that one of the reasons for all the chaos and the, the, the lawlessness in the world today is because of the orphan spirit? It's the orphan spirit. I don't care if people have moms and dads. There are people in the world who have an orphan spirit. But... He said, I'm not going to leave you like orphans. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. And that day, you're going to know that I'm in the Father and you are in me, Naos, and I am in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, the entoli, it is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Verse 23, Jesus answered to Judas, not Iscariot. He said, how are you going to manifest yourself to the world? Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Naos. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the Father which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. The words you hear is not my words, Jesus said. They're the words I've heard the Father say. Oh, man. So what does that mean? Every believer, the Holy Spirit comes to make our union with Christ a reality so that He is with me. Through the happy times, he's rejoicing with me. Come on, I want you to get a picture of this. Remember I told you last Sunday that we were holding hands and I said, Jesus wants to hold your hand. She so said, what are you saying? I said, well, I said, I do really. Come on, you have to have a disclaimer, right? It's really me, but Jesus, you know, he's in me. So both of us, you've got double for you. 
Come on. So, so when, when I'm rejoicing, he's rejoicing with me. When I'm feeling the stress and the strain and overwhelmed, he's there with me. Feeling what I'm feeling, what you're feeling. When I stood at my, me and Alan were talking about, he said he'd been talk, thinking about my dad quite a bit today. And January 14th, he'll be gone 10 years. Where did the time go? But when I stood, I remember sitting with the family as the final words were being say, said, and, and I, would, I would see those flowers and that, those bass, that they, those little bass they had up there. I, I had the reel, it was like that short, and I still got it, got a picture of him. And, but but I, as I was sitting there, I look back on that day, and I thank God because Jesus was there with me. He was grieving with me. Come on, you understand. Miss Cheryl, he was grieving with you. He was grieving with you, Miss Deborah. No, we, we don't have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted like we are. But he feels what we feel. I want you to remember that during your day and your weeks ahead. I want you to remember he feels what you feel. You are not alone. When I'm playing the, the guitar, he's right there with me, <laughs> giving me some lessons, <laughs> showing me places to go I've never been on a steel guitar. Come on, somebody. Brother Dwayne, I can't tell you how many times I've, we've been so blessed, haven't we? Uh, you probably know times the Holy Spirit takes over, and, and, and I, t I told him a long time ago, I said, just I want you to worship till you break through, and he usually does. It's amazing because it, it's the atmosphere of the Spirit because the, it's the covenant of the Spirit, and it's a new covenant. Now, I don't have time to, to get into it, but, I, you know, John 15, Jesus gives us some insight about this covenant. He says in John 15, he said, I'm the, I'm the vine, you're the branches. My father is the vine dresser. So I ate, we got some fruit today, and I ate an apple that was really sweet. And I thought about that apple, but think about grapes. We got grapes in the fridge too, but we, we don't call it the fruit of the branches, right? We call it the fruit of the vine. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me, it's not willpower. It's not in our own really trying. If we're connected to the vine, the sap that's in the vine manifests fruit on the branches. What's in Jesus flows in us. He said, if you bear fruit, he said, you'll get trimmed. I don't like the pruning so much because 
Sometimes it's a little bit uncomfortable because <laughs> he has to get rid of, he, he must get rid of what old folks used to call sucker shoots. <laughs> sucker shoots, you know, they, they suck the life out of the branch. Get rid of those. God the Father gets rid of those because when you bear fruit, he's got, his, he's got the crosshairs on you anyway. And he's going to allow us to bear much fruit because as he is, so are we in the world and he's the vine. You know, a vine without branches would just be a stump. But he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Abide in me and let me abide in you. He said that you bear fruit. And if you bear fruit, what does that fruit look like? Oh, it looks like Jesus. Why, why do we bear fruit for others? Come on. You, you know what the fruit is? It's for others to enjoy the Jesus flowing through us. So I want to pray for you. I want you to stand with me. Boy, I still got a bunch I could talk about, but it's so good. It's so good. Naos, you're the temple. We are the temple. I could get into the part where Paul said you're being built up. And habitation of God. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. That means he's necessary for the temple to stand. But why are we built up as a habitation of God? For his glory. And for our benefit and our blessing. So I really want to encourage you. Those two phrases are so important. And I want you to meditate on those two things. You are in Christ. And you are in the Spirit. The Spirit's in you. And Christ is in you. The hope of glory. Wow. Makes me treat my wife a whole lot different. Come on. I have a whole lot more patience. You know why? Because it's His patience. It's one of the fruits, right? And if I'm not really patient, he's going to prune me. <laughs> Come on, somebody. So that I bear that fruit. Because it's so important. There's where the joy is. He said, if you're burdened and heavy laden, come to me. For I will give, I'm meek and lowly. Well, it's not the law. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I will give you rest. Come on. He wants you to sit down in a velvet chair and rest in the fact that you are in him and he's in you. Father, Son, and Spirit have you in a big old bear hug. I want you to think about that. No, he he don't have any favorites. We're all his favorites. Every one of us are his favorites. I can't, there's a young man yesterday I met. 
he shared probably more than most other guys did about their really, really tough journey. And I began to share my heart with him. He was raised Catholic. He told me, he said, I was raised Catholic. He said, but it was like, I said, that's no obstacle. I said, I was raised Methodist. That's no obstacle. I said, watch this. And, and I shared with him the love of the Father. I started sharing with him how the Lord would heal him from the wounds of the past. And I'm telling you, the floodgates opened. And he was overwhelmed. And I said, I'm just going to pray for you. So I believe I saw the Holy Spirit just get him in a big old bear hug. And let him see himself like he'd never seen himself before. Through the eyes of the Father. That's what he wants you to see. See yourself through the eyes of the Father. That's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Bringing us to Jesus. Because Jesus knows the Father, right? So we come, Father, in the name of Jesus. And we bless you. Lord, we're the benefactors of, of a better covenant. You're the mediator. And Lord Jesus, you're qualified because you died. You, you wrote the will and you died. <laughs> but you rose again so you could enforce the will. <laughs> Lord, thank you for putting us in your will. <laughs> Lord, we are so blessed and honored to be the naos, the, the place where you dwell. Now, Lord, teach us, Holy Spirit. I ask you to teach us what we need to know, Lord, to, to do this journey with great excitement and a great impact in the world. That others li other lives will be so affected because they'll see the love of fa the Father in us because we're learning to love like you love. We give you glory. Thank you for your healing. God, we just thank you, Lord, for healing uh, this, this, this malady, God, it's, it's an intruder. So we thank you, Lord, for your healing. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. And Lord, we bless you now because you're worthy. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. God bless you.